family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Kevin Ricky. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the man in the turtleneck is one Kevin Mickey in for the gallivanting Jesse Rubinoff. But this gallivanting, yeah. this time around, Kevin, mm -hmm. is on Sportsnet Central. He's gallivanted over to another studio. Yeah, that's right, our yeah. boy, because of all the hard work on Tim and Friends. And to be honest, all of your feedback on the socials, big up, Jesse Rubinoff has got him called up to the show tonight. So congrats to Jesse, and I know... All of your feedback is very appreciated, so thank you very much. And if you have anything for us today, Kevin Mickey on the Wheels of Steel as the digital producer today. Uh, Mickey, it's been a bit. Hope you and your Cooperalls are good. Fantastic. Yeah. Did, I, you, did you ever wear Cooperalls? No, no, but I want to. I <laughs> desperately want to now, especially I heard you and Kipper talking about it yesterday, and I want to dive into them or pull them up. Do you dive into Cooperalls? Do you dive into pants? When you said dive into them, I think you should have said I want to dive into the Cooperalls. Dive into the Cooperalls is right. what I'd like to dive into. <laughs> right. Let's clarify. Not Nick Kiprios? Although like, he is a fine-looking hell of a, you know, like still at his age. I think all... Great shape, good looking. All topics Full aside, head of hair. Nick Kiprios is a handsome man. <laughs> Absolutely. He is a handsome man. Speaking of handsome men... You. Kenny Reed oh, is yeah. dropping by for the final half hour of this uh, contractually obligated Wednesday. We'll see if he filled up his car with gas. Last week he was late <laughs> because he ran out of gas. Elliot Friedman, Shai Davidi, and Paul Jones will all join the fray after a busy night in the NHL. Busy offseason getting set to go in the big leagues and a busy couple days in the world of basketball. That's right. Jonesy not only getting a set for the Raptors and the Rockets tonight, but Canada could qualify for the World Cup of Basketball tomorrow night in Edmonton. And I believe there will actually be a game as Venezuela is said to have got on a flight. It's actually happening. After some visa issues it's earlier today yeah. that had the game in doubt a wee bit. In fact, it had me, Kevin, uh -huh. dare I say more puzzled than how in the good name of Kerry Strug these guys pulled this off. I was really puzzled. Really puzzled. Yeah, you can. We want to break the Guinness. And are you ready? And this is their second attempt. Are you ready? And Up. go. They're walking. Okay, first off. Look at this guy guy, get doing? the hell out of the way. There's two sides of the <laughs> stairs. I don't know if you realize that there are two men walking upstairs. Faster, 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 One faster. is on top we of the other. Get more time over Balancing here. on his head. Get the hell out of the way. Two flights of stairs, we got to get it. Get the time I appreciate the coach here. Hurry up. Go, Hurry go, up, go, guy go, go, with go, go, other go. man on your head. We can do it. Go faster. We can do it. Push, push, push. <laughs> you push. gotta want it. You can do it. Okay, wait for the reaction at the end. You got That's the it. last flight of stairs. To... Let's go. He also let's said go, this please. is for a Guinness World Record. Let's go. Yeah, let's I don't go, know about go, that. Yeah. Just watching this is like mystifying. The like think of the human strength that is required in practice that would go into something like this. We can do it. Imagine that's your house that you're walking past. Yeah, we go. Like, there's a guy at another well, guy's head walking past. Do me, do me a favor and keep the camera on the guys. <laughs> and yes, celebration. Yes. 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 <laughs> Camera guy's tired. Look Why is camera guy tired? You guys have just witnessed history, and you guys are the first to see it. The Jack's yeah, family. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Woo. They walked up like a hundred stairs on top of another guy's head. And again. Woo. 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 That might be the greatest thing that I've ever seen that got the least amount of fanfare for the greatest thing that I've ever seen in my life. I was I was as puzzled as as I was as speechless as that as hearing about the Canada Venezuela okay, yeah. debacle earlier I, today. I appreciate that you worked it back to the what you're originally doing the analogy for. But, but we're yeah. we're good to go apparently for tomorrow in Edmonton. So don't you dare miss it because Canada could qualify for the World Cup. All that plus seven Canadian teams in action in the NHL, which is where we start. First things first, your top stories of the day with Kevin Mickey. So what's the trend then, Nick Walenda? First things first. Kevin used that one before, have you? No, I, uh, I, I used that for the... That one. Do you know the Flying Melendas in any way, shape, or form? I can't say I know them personally. Yeah, but, but you know of them? I know them? of them. Good. Yes. All yes. right. Indeed, Hopefully that I wasn't lost. <clears throat> no, that was the tightrope there I was that we say, just that, saw. Uh, that, was in, that was incredible. It was a deep cut from you. Thank you. Four games in the NHL this evening, Tim, including an all-Canadian matchup as the Montreal Canadiens and Vancouver Canucks go at it on Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. Vancouver coming off a big-time win in Ottawa last night, 6-4 over the Sens with... Ryan Reynolds in the building. Yes, Canadian sir. teams, they win 4-2-1 and one on Tuesday, and there is a lot to discuss. So, we're going to do one question for each of the seven Canadian teams. Tim, are you ready? <laughs> I am, and I love the excitement in your voice. That was my triple about H. Being ready. I said, so a little rapid. are you ready? I, I am ready, <clears throat> Triple H. We're going to get a lot of wrestling references today, aren't we? Wrestling's okay. <laughs> Let's start with the Ottawa Senators. The Sens have lost six in a row. Which story is more real? DJ Smith is on the hot seat, despite what Pierre Dorian says. Or Ryan Reynolds is going to buy the Ottawa Senators today. Okay, I know there are a group of fans that want DJ Smith on the platter. I hear y'all, but I'm not sure judging this team and whether or not they've taken the next step in 12 games is the most prudent thing in the world. With all the new additions, a significant injury to Josh Norris, Cam Talbot for back for a grand total of two games, DJ Smith deserves more than 12 games. And don't tell me, Tim, it's more than 12 games. It's a couple of years. It was a complete rebuild until yep. what? Thursday, October the 13th? That was game one of the season. And even that started without their starting goalie. So relax. If after 40 games you still hate the head coach, then maybe I will listen. But 12 games in, don't do this. I do think something, though. Oh. I think Ryan Reynolds' handsomeness, <laughs> his likability, and this whole wooing process that's going on right now could actually buy them some time. I mean, did you see the woman in the box beside Ryan Reynolds when she realized it was Ryan Reynolds right there? And, oh, oh my God, oh. that's Blake Lively's husband, the, the star of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place, and Deadpool, and things <laughs> of that such. I think it's a perfect distraction. And if he still needs a sugar daddy or mommy, Ryan, I got about 10 for you. 10K, but I work in Canadian television, so I don't have a lot. But 10, I'd put 10K into the Katie. Oh, that's nice of you. Yeah. Uh, did you say sugar mommy or sugar daddy? Mm-hmm. I said sugar mommy or sugar daddy. You know who else said that? Who? Gary Bettman. Oh, no. No, he didn't. 
he needs either a sugar mommy or a sugar daddy with a lot of money <laughs> to help him. I think those were his exact words. There's nothing like Gary Bettman, Gary Bettman uttering say, the phrase sugar mommy. Did you have that on your NHL bingo card this <laughs> no, season? I did not have it on my NHL bingo card this Okay, season. let's keep it going, Timmy. Right. Uh, the Ottawa Senators play the Canucks. Does the Canucks win ease the pressure on the lower mainland? On the players, maybe, but I think the more I think about what Jim Rutherford said about this team, the more ridiculous I think it is. Like, to have a coach that almost salvaged this team last year and gave hope to a fan base that had none, Mm -hmm. and you fired not one, not two, but three shots across Bruce Bruce's bow in, what, three months? If the goal is to get rid of him, then do it. But if you had questions all along, why did you double down in the offseason? Like, if you had questions all along about this team and still doubled down and Bo Horvat was the one that you didn't double down on, why isn't Bo re-signed? Instead, he's second in the league in goal scoring at 12. You have no cap space. And guess what? He's probably going to get a raise. Like, all management is doing here is making Boudreaux a more sympathetic figure. And the only thing, the only thing that I can think of that would be in the benefit of management is that somehow they know that the players like the coach and they're trying to send a message to the players through the coach that if you want Bruce to stay, we're going to see more. And to be fair, four one-on-one since the terrible start, but it's going to be hard to come back from all of this. All around, management, coach, team, it's going to be hard to come back from all this. And I don't understand what Jim Rutherford's doing here. Unless it's simply you don't want to pay another coach and you're hanging mm-hmm. on to him. If that's the case, don't do Bruce like that. No. Well, I think you got to look at ownership as well. And speaking of ownership, you know who's from Vancouver? Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, if he's looking to be in the market to be able to buy another someone, team. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe the, maybe the Canucks. Because I don't think a lot of Canucks every, fans are happy with current ownership. Every team just going to try and bring in Ryan Reynolds now. Yeah, yeah. everybody wants to bring in Ryan Reynolds. MLS, he's going to bring in Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> the Flames Entertainment's going to bring in Ryan Reynolds. Okay, let's go. Uh, let's Speaking of the Flames, Alberta, Oilers, that's how we got there. Oilers snapped their losing streak in Tampa. But what's the latest on that scary incident involving Evander Kane last night? Yeah, shout out to the Oilers for snapping the slide. Shout out to Jack Campbell for looking good against a good team. But the, the vision of Vander Kane skating off the ice is a reminder of how scary this game can be. Like, yeah. It looks like he will be okay, like non-hockey okay. And that was my first and only concern when I saw this. Like screaming help to the bench and seeing oh. the other guys react. Like I know Kane tweeted out his thanks earlier today. And it's great that he's going to be off the ice good. But he's out for three to four months. And for that team, it's going to be a test. Like, I think just making the playoffs is the key, and this team is good enough to make the playoffs. But that will be tested. Even with the two best players on planet Earth, it will be tested. But let's be honest here. The fact that he's just good, he's stable, when you see a guy have his wrist skated over, the immediate concern is, oh, my God, What's going to happen? Like, even the rest of that game, I don't know how Edmonton played that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure they got some sort of word. I know that Connor McDavid, after the game, suggested that the initials were good on Evander Kane, but that would scare the bleep out of me if I was on the ice. Everybody. I mean, mean, especially if you're Pat Maroon, too, because Maroon identified immediately how severe that was. He even motioned to the bench and said, we need to figure this out right immediate here. Uh, Three to four months, that puts him the 
back end of that would be early March. He'd come back. Trade deadline is March 3rd, by the way. Right. Not sure what the Oilers are going to do with LTIR cap space now. Do they do what they did with Kucherov, keep him on LTIR until the playoffs? A lot of options. I think but, you're like too you far said. away from the playoffs, but I think you've got to figure out where you are going yeah. into the deadline. And if you do need space, maybe that's something you do. But I think the Oilers hope that they have enough to get through and be in a good playoff position at that point. Speaking of playoffs, the Toronto Maple Leafs want to make it past one round in the playoffs. They took five of six points against three of the top teams in the NHL recently. What are your takeaways from this stretch for the Buds? Uh, only the Leafs can lose to the Ducks. Sharks and Kings, and then go two zero and one against three of the top three, three of the top teams, teams in the league. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. uh, and right now, Vegas, Boston, Carolina, those are those teams. They're not exactly all top three in the league, but they're pretty damn close. Uh, Matthews and Marner's back on track, carrying the club again. Mm-hmm. But I'm not taking this team off the hook for last night. Like they had that game last night. They did. And I'm staying on them because they have the talent. But you can't make the kind of mistakes that they made last night with an AHL goalie in net, who, to be fair to him, was playing well. All three regulation goals came off of pretty stupid turnovers. And, Kevin, I know you're an ardent viewer of the show, but I've been really supportive of William Nylander and his talent. I keep saying he's Phil Kessel. He's the type of guy who, well, if he isn't your leader, you're doing well. He's very valuable, like Phil was in Pittsburgh. Well, whatever the hell he was trying to do on the goal that tied it up in the third period cannot happen. Like, I don't know if he was attempting a touch pass at the blue line up a single goal in the third period with an AHL goalie in that. You can't do that. Those are the kind of things that get you bit. Guess what? Last night, that's the kind of thing that got you bit. The practice is the regular season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They need to practice the way they play. Clean that stuff up. This is a good team. But I've been saying that for about three years now, and it's the same bleep, and it's a different day. I know it's a good little stretch for this team, but eventually you are just what you are. And the Leafs, under the Dubas regime, is in danger of becoming that because of plays like that. Yeah, I don't know if you can have a good game allowing four goals on 20 shots, but I think Shalgren had a good game allowing four goals on 20 shots. He, he was good enough to help to, for them. He to should win have that won game. that game. Agreed. They should have won that game. Agreed. You know who did win a game? The Winnipeg Jets. Six zero and one in yeah. their last seven. Are they the best team in Canada this week? This Greek is a great qualifier. I had to qualify that. Yeah. Right now, statistically, they are an outside of the peg. I'm not sure anyone would even realize that. They have the best record in the NHL in Canada. Also, first in the Central after beating a good Stars team. I wonder if this is sustainable. Hellebuck has played 10 of 12 here, and I'm not sure Mason Appleton will give you that every night. But there was more pressure on this group of players than anyone maybe outside of Toronto this year. And so far, they have responded, and they've done it with adversity as well. Rick Bonus out, Nick Ehlers out. This is a great start. Now, I understand it's not how you start, but how you finish. I will say this. A year ago, they were the sexy pick to be the best team in Canada. They fell flat on their face. Maybe they're finally living up to it. I think that they've looked very good, and I was one of those people picking them as the sexy pick to be the best team in Canada last year. Yeah, I was right there with you. Uh, 
the Calgary Flames have not been sexy this season. They've lost six games in a row. I'm going to reach for the panic button here, but should I push the panic nah, button, Tim? Nah, nah. The sky is falling stuff I heard on Sportsnet 960 this morning is a little too much. Significant injuries to the blue line will do that. I know it's been the offense of late, but you can't go from we're the best team in Canada at 5-1 and one to holy hock and lube, we're in trouble. Like, that's what's going on in Calgary right now. We, these wild swings, I think people are just pissed off. The world is a tough place right now, and they're taking it out on their favorite teams. The offense will come, the defense will get healthier, and most of this will be forgotten. I'm guessing. I love that you put Hack and Lube in there because, funny enough, last night I was on SportsNet Central as well, mm-hmm. and I had a Hack and Lube reference as well. Hey! hey. Great minds think alike. Shout out Hack and Lube. One and my... or fool seldom differ. Uh, well, maybe the latter. Hey, uh, the Montreal Canadiens, they beat the Red Wings 3-2 last night, but they will be without Yurov Koski for tonight's game against Canucks after he was suspended two games for boarding Detroit's Matt Luff. Do you agree, Tim, with the decision from the NHL Department of Player Safety? Yeah, the two games is the going rate. Um, just ask Josh Anderson. I don't think it was as bad as Anderson's, but the fact that Matt Luff is out 10 to 12 weeks is a mitigating circumstance. By the way, I, I know you want to stick up for your guy, but Elmer Soderblom or anyone else that jumps into these piles when guys are hurt, stop doing that, yeah. please. Like, yeah. I don't know if you saw it last night, but Soderblom jumps in, and then the refs had to pull him. Like, just if you're going to do something, just grab them away from the injured player, please. The referee having to come in and try and slide him out when it could have been a spinal cord injury is unacceptable. Stop hitting from behind and then stop jumping in for a... Look, he was dragging him out of there. I mean, let's also not forget what just happened to Evander Kane. It looked like a couple skates came across. He's not wearing his gloves. He's not wearing a helmet. So, again... But that's what's the most that Elmer Soderblom gets there? A face wash? Yeah, like, I know. take the number down and punch him in the face later. later. Like, yeah. what are you doing? You have a guy laying on the ice prone who is just... I know you want to stand up for your guy. I understand. I know it's hard to separate from the moment. But when someone's lying on the ice, just pull him away. And then just, throw the just, punch. Just get him out of there. Uh, yeah. Ken, Ken, oh, there's a face wash. Kenny Reed's going to have a lot to say on that later also. Uh, Habs Canucks tonight, Wednesday night hockey. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey to me. Yeah, speaking of the Atlantic Division and the Montreal Canadiens, uh, the Boston Bruins might be off to a great start, but they suffered a pretty severe self-inflicted wound over the past week when they signed and then withdrew a contract for Mitchell Miller, whose drafting by the Coyotes was also Renounced. The only thing I said when I first heard the news last week was that I couldn't believe that the, Bru- the Bruins excuse me, hadn't talked to the family of the boy at the center of the racist bullying that landed Mitchell Miller in hot water to start. Well, people did that for the Bruins. They talked to the family, and it didn't go well. And Don Sweeney and Cam Neely had to walk it back quite publicly. And I know Twitter and social media are gross places most of the time, but seeing some of the empathy for Miller gathering seemed uh, gathering steam seemed a, a little bit tad ignorant, which is why the HDA, the Hockey Diversity Alliance, released a statement yesterday that, among other things, talked about counsel, not cancel, and restorative justice, which are words and phrases being bandied about by a bunch of folks who, again hadn't talked to the family of the young man who is the target of Miller's racist bullying. So the HDA did it themselves. 
and released it earlier today. This is Isaiah Meyer Crothers in his own words. It might be tough to hear, it will be tough to read, but sticking our heads in the sand has never been and will never be the answer. So here's what he said, and I direct quote. I am Isaiah Meyer Crothers. I would like to make a statement. I have been bullied since I was in grade one. There were not many black kids at my school. I was called Brownie and the N-word. Kids said that my black mom and dad didn't love me. That's why I had white parents. Mitchell used to ask me to sit with him on the bus, and then he and his friends would punch me in the head. This happened my whole time in school. When I went to junior high, Mitchell would spit in my face and call me an N-word. I stopped telling because they called me a snitch, and I would get made fun of. I had to say I was his N-word to sit at his table, and he made me clean the whole table. He threw food in my face, and I was called an N-word every day. The office would tell me to stay away from him because he wasn't my friend. Once he got expelled from school, his friends started bullying me. He pretended to be my friend and made me do things I did not want to do in junior high. I got beat up by him. Everyone thought he was cool, but I didn't see how someone can be cool when you pick on someone and bully someone your entire life. Middle of October, I was being texted constantly every day till I answered a Snapchat and an IG message from Mitchell Miller. He asked me why I always have my parents doing stuff for me and why I can't speak for myself. I told him I don't care what my parents say. I'm old enough to speak for myself. He told me he was sorry and that the apology didn't involve hockey. He told me he was doing some stuff in the community and helping the youth and wanted to be my friend. I told him that's all cool, but where is the proof? He didn't give me any. All the lies I've been told from him for so many years, I don't believe what Mitchell told me. He kept asking me to be his friend and that he's changed over the years from what he did. I told him, I'm not going to be your friend after all you did to me. I am now getting messages on social media from people calling me a slow, retarded ass clown and you stupid N-word once again saying they need help. Mitchell isn't my friend. It hurts my heart. What he did to me, so I just wanted to tell everyone, when Mitchell says we're friends, it isn't true. I can't take more of this. Again, this is from a developmentally challenged child who was bullied constantly by Mitchell Miller. I'm glad somebody gave a voice to Isaiah, and I pray that he feels the love that's out there and not just the a-holes that we see every day on our computers and on our phones. And if you find it in yourself, to be in a spot like that, where you're in hot water, being judged for something that you did as a kid, which a bunch of people seem really worried about these days because I keep seeing it on the computer and on my phone. Here's a little tip from Timmy. Instead of just saying that you will be better, actually do it. Yes, as crazy as it seems, how about actual strides on making good? Nobody wants to cancel you. They just want to see that you have learned from your mistake. Andrew Shaw did it. And it worked. Myers Leonard was in the same spot. We talked about it last week with Jesse Rubinoff. He went, helped, and guess what? It worked. Don't be lazy. Don't fall into the cancel culture trap or the woke ideology is just trying to get you. 
Just be better. I swear it works. I just gave you two examples. Thank you for taking the time to talk about that, Timmy. I think that's really important stuff for everybody to hear, and especially the message from Isaiah as well. Yeah, it's good that the HDA gave him a voice because all we heard was from his mom, a couple of quotes, and then from Mitchell Miller and from the Bruins. Why not actually hear from the kid? Uh, I know it's uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for me to read, but sometimes in that uncomfort, you realize why things happen. Yeah, you learn something, absolutely. Uh, We're going to transition. We're going to jump over to basketball now. The Toronto Raptors are back home tonight for one game against the Houston Rockets before they head back out on the road. The Rockets currently tied for the worst record in the association. Raps 1-1 since Pascal went down due to injury. Did they catch a bit of a break here, Timmy, with Siakam's injury coinciding with a bit of an easier part of their schedule? Yes, but this is the very reason why people watch this show. I hope to be informed on things like this. Don't be fooled by the everything is going to be okay without Pascal, part of the Raptors' schedule. Next four versus Houston at OKC, at Indiana, at Detroit before it gets tougher again. This will be a nice little stretch, I think, for the Toronto Raptors. But then after that, it gets tougher once more, starting with the Miami Heat on November 16th. But don't be fooled by the next four. It's been an interesting start to the season. I mean, I'd say the the Raptors, their offense, their defense have been quite strong. In fact, I believe there's a stat that says they're they're one of four teams in the league, top ten in offense and top ten in defense. Yeah, without a doubt. And if you're going to win titles in this league, you have to be top ten in offense, top ten in defense in the last Ten champions, seven of them have been top ten offense, top ten defense. Right now there's only four teams that are doing that. Right now, uh, the biggest question for me is who steps up without them. And for me, it's got to be Scotty Barnes. And this is an important step for any NBA player. What does he do when he becomes a big part of the scouting report? We'll see. A nice little, a nice little path here. Four games where they might be the, not be the greatest competition in the world. And then we'll see if Scotty can elevate that game the way a lot of folks think he can. Every single player on the roster got at least a minute of action against Chicago in their last game. So the depth is going to be tested without Pascal, and we're going to see how that depth functions against the softer part of the schedule. Without a doubt. All right, still to come, Shai Davidi and the latest from the GM meetings in Vegas. Elliot Friedman, 3 of 32 right here on Tim and Friends. Ken Reed for the final half hour if he gasses up his car properly. Plus, after the break, Paul Jones drops by the studio as we talk Toronto Raptors and Canada on the verge of qualifying for the World Cup this week. It's a hump day. It's Tim and Friends. It's two hours. Please stick with us. It's our livelihood. Here's Smith dashing to the net to win it. A backhand and he scores! Riley Smith wins it in overtime. You want to be an elite team, you need to be elite in managing games. It's just, you know, you've got to close that game out. They were picked to be in the World Series. World Series championships are built on star pitching. We're focused on winning it all, not just squeaking in. We're just entirely focused on getting better, and we are confident that we can do that. You've seen a, a Canadian team show greatness. What we give was a group of women that overperformed. And that's what Canadians were falling in love with, like this underdog group. I still say there was nine months in my favorite, nine months in coaching. Welcome back, friends. Big week for Canadian basketball as the men's squad can qualify for next summer. 
in the FIBA World Cup. Two games in Edmonton. First up is Venezuela. We hope tomorrow night. A game you can see on Sportsnet 1. Then Sunday, Canada faces Panama. Also available on Sportsnet 1. And when we want to talk basketball, who better to do it with than the man, the myth, the legend that is Paul Jones, along with Mr. Naismith in the building. It's the cup. Yes. You know, there's a superstition. You're not supposed to touch it. You'll never win it. Mm Mm-hmm. My fingerprints are all over it because I ain't ever going to win that. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I shouldn't say that. Maybe one day when Canada wins it, I could, I hope I just didn't jinx our, our squad. Though. No, I, I think you're good because you'll be on – as much as you are involved, as much as you are right there when it comes to every part of basketball in this country, which I love – I think the players will have it first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Nick this Nurse, is Nick Nurse and those guys. Yeah. 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 This yeah. is the trophy that goes to the World Cup champions. Canada on the verge of qualifying for the World Cup in what I believe to be one of the more underrated stories in this country. Let me explain why I think it's an underrated okay. story, Jonesy. There's a bunch of dudes that play professionally in Europe yeah. that are coming back across the pond to qualify Canada for a tournament that they may or may not be able to play in, probably, probably won't play in. It, it goes back to, you know, Tim, I remember sitting in a hotel room over Zoom uh, when Canada lost to the Czech Republic doing the show with you. Yeah, in, in Victoria. Victoria. Yeah. And I remember saying, we need to, as a board member, we need to wire our guys so they want to play with the maple leaf on their chest. Right. Because we went through a period where that wasn't always, there was always something else, something better or something different. Mm-hmm. And you, you talk about those guys, we have those guys now, and they are committed. And it's part of the renewed commitment that we got from, well, 14 NBA guys and everybody else to say, no, you know what? We're trying to win. And even though I might not be on the team when they actually win it, I can do something to carry the baton and hand it off. Yeah. And that's, and that's what we have now. I mean, you, you know, it, the, you talk about those guys coming back. Um, we've done this before. In yeah. other legs, we've qualified or come forward without our NBA guys. Right. 8-0, as you see the standings in Group E in Canada, able to qualify Edmonton tomorrow night. Tickets still available. Uh, check them out. And, and you and I have covered... You know, U Sports, we've covered NCAA basketball in this country. And to see the guys that are playing at a high level in Europe be part of that 8-0 is particularly gratifying because I feel like we've always downplayed our own Right. in the sport of basketball. Right. And a lot of our kids have had to go somewhere else to prove that they could play at a high level. And almost everyone on this roster not only played high school here or university here in Canada, but they also play in the CEBL, yeah. which is another part of this process. That, that, and, you know, I've had many chats with Mike Morreale, and I talk about this all the time. Years ago, you would come out of the CIAU, the CIS, 22 years old after playing four or five years, mm-hmm. give you your degree, pat you on the back as a basketball player and say, okay, go find yourself a nine to five. Right. There was nowhere to go, nowhere to play. And now we have a domestic pro league. So our guys can play in Edmonton and a Fraser Valley or well, they, they're relocating, but Ottawa mm-hmm. and Hamilton and right. they can, they can play in these places. And you know what? 
their, their family can come and see them. Right. Right? And it's the same thing we're trying to do now with Canada basketball. Like, when was the last time that Canadian basketball games on home soil had this much publicity, right? right. Thankfully, there's a partnership with Sportsnet. That helps. But I feel like we're, we've gained some momentum, and it's about keeping it going now. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, I'm, if I was putting a dollar down, I'd say we're qualifying this weekend. I would agree with you. And by the way, CBL just expanded, adding Winnipeg and Calgary yeah. to the mix. So there's there's more places for our kids to play. Hopefully that includes the women's side of things in the near future. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about men right now. And Canada, Venezuela, I, I know it's not the A team for Canada. But as I mentioned, these are our guys playing in high leagues in Europe. Canada should be able to handle Venezuela and Panama. They should. Uh, I, I think ha- they should handle Panama. That that that. And again, I go back to it. And people say, well, people will say, well, your NBA guys aren't there. There's mm-hmm. no Lou Dort. There's no Shea Gilgis Alexander. There's no Nikhil Ale- Alexander Walker. Yeah, but there are other guys. You know, like young Thomas Kennedy's a great story. Mm-hmm. Trey Bell Haynes. You know, Aaron Best. These guys that have been kind of the, the foundation, the heart and the soul of the program at times yeah. when the NBA guys couldn't do it, they're out there slugging. So, And they've played together, and we've ha- we have chemistry. And thank you to the Raptors for releasing Nate Bjorkren and Nathaniel Mitchell mm-hmm. because they're taking Nick Nurse's playbook with them. They're going to Edmonton. And, guys, these are the guys that we've had the whole time, and these are the plays that we've been running the whole time. Let's trot out there and do it. Okay, so Raptors-Rockets tonight – and then the schedule brings OKC and Indiana, yes. which are two kind of team Canada's. Look, I'm, have you ever seen a Canadian in the NBA playing at the level that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is playing at? Um, for this stretch, now and I'll, I'll back up a little bit because there's a this guy. Might be tough. Yeah, there's a guy on the Raptors bench that people forget. He's up there yelling and screaming now, named Jabal McGlure, who yep. was an, an All Star yeah. and probably could have been the MVP in that All Star game had it ended in regulation time. I remember, I remember LA. There's it, a guy named Steve Nash who was an MVP right, as well. Right. Yeah. But right now, uh, and 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 here's the thing: he's he's special, Shay. He's yeah. just doing uh, such terrific things with his scoring. Uh, his length, his athleticism, his passing. And we've, we were talking about this the other day, a bunch of us, uh, you know, basketball types. His gait and his deception, he's moving far quicker, far faster than he looks. Right. And it's not till you're out there or you see him in person that you realize how good he really is. He's yeah. got that kind of a kind of Drew Holiday type smooth movement next thing you know the guy's past you and it's like wait a minute I he, he sneaks up on people in a way that I knew he was good but I didn't know he was that good yeah it's, it's <laughs> funny because at the start of the year I bought into the Raptors if it doesn't go well maybe they trade for Shea Gilgis Alexander because Chet Holmgren's out OKC's not going to be good how long there's no way that they're trading you mean, him you mean Sam Presti's not going to trade him for nine first round picks <laughs> well he's already got nine first he's already got more than he's nine. on the clock for a whole draft <laughs> isn't yeah. he it'll be just be <laughs> Sam you're up next uh, for the next eight picks no he's just playing at such a high level yeah. and then Indiana and, and just talk about Benedict Matherin and, and what he's become as well as I mean Nemhard got a start now yeah. like it's 
You used to talk about like one or two. Like when when Big Cat was at St. Tim's and I was at Annunciation and we were playing grade school ball, I never would have thought that we'd be going game after game with Canadians. Well, and, and you know what, Tim, it was always my hope that it would be because yeah. we are a great basketball country, and I've said this and I'll say it right here on national TV. There's only one country in the world that I wouldn't even say should, could be beating us consistently, mm-hmm. and that's Uncle Sam. I mean, we've got more players on NBA rosters than any other country in the right. world, save Uncle Sam. And, you know, people are like, oh, Canada's this great basketball nation. Wait, 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 wait. We've always been here. You could always come to Canada and get talent. People just didn't realize that they could do it. And so for, for, for us as Canadians, it's a reason to puff our chest out. And as I said, we're qualifying this weekend, brother. We're, we're, there's going to be a trip... Uh, to Southeast uh, Asia next year to to try to bring that thing back here with a parade and some celebrations mm-hmm. and some dancing mm-hmm. and everything else. And there might be a few Canadians in Manila to watch. No. Maybe. <laughs> uh, before I let you go, Raptors Rockets tonight. I know you're getting set for yep. that as well. Uh, the Pascal Siakam out of the lineup opened some opportunity. Uh, I said earlier I'd like to see Scotty walk into the spot where now you're being game-planned. Do you think he's ready to go there, or is this a committee thing? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a committee thing, but Scotty is moving, for, moving his game forward. He's yeah. handling the ball. He's making decisions. Uh, I, I'm impressed with his, his play in that he's, he's recognizing when to go, when not to go, when he's got a good matchup. People forget, you know, he's 6'9", and I think he might— I think he might have grown since last year, certainly in stature. Oh, yeah. But he's walking smaller guys down. Uh, he handles the ball. He's got, to me, that great combination of, of, of offense and defense. You see him picking up the point guard full court mm-hmm. at 6'9". You know, yeah. Nate McMillan said it best the other night. He said, you could take the, the, jersey, the numbers off the jerseys, and it looks like they're all the same guys. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, all right, Paul Jones uh, in studio. We've got uh, Raptors game tonight, and then it's Canada tomorrow against uh, Venezuela in Edmonton and also get Panama on Sunday. Uh, I remember when, when Larry O'Brien made an appearance, not the guy, but the trophy, on this set. I said, welcome to Canada. Stay a while. He did. I'll say to James Naismith here. Come home. Come on home, <laughs> Come friend. Home. Come, Come on home. home. Uh, great to have this in the studio. Yeah. We thank FIBA for doing that. We thank Brian for bringing it in. And we thank you, Mr. Jones, for stopping by. Pleasure, always. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Paul Jones. <laughs> Been around for a while. All right. On the other side, part three of Stephen Brun's interview with John Hurt. If you want a vision of where Canada basketball could go, Canada soccer might be the place where it's going. We'll discuss his success with Brunt and Herdman next, right here on Tim and Friends, Basketball to Soccer. Welcome back, friends. With the World Cup on the horizon, there have been plenty of injuries to big names. Well, the timing may have been a little off on this World Cup. The latest is Senegal's Sadio Mane. I think so, Mickey. Um, He'll miss the World Cup after picking up an injury with Bayern Munich, ironically enough, just a couple weeks ago. Brutal news. Two weeks today, Canada, they'll play their 
opener against Belgium, and there was a positive sight today. Atiba Hutchison made his first club appearance of the season for Besiktas, returning from injury. He captained the team and played 70 minutes in a 3-1 win. He'll certainly be named to Canada's World Cup squad on Sunday. As well, Jonathan David and his star continues to rise with plenty of speculation about a January move from Lille in the French First Division to teams like perhaps Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester United, all linked with Jonathan David recently. So some great news for Canadian players and Canadian club as they move on to the World Cup. Of course, before John Herbin led Canada's men's team to the World Cup, he helped change the game in this country while in charge of the women's team. And that's the focus of part three of Stephen Brunt's wonderful interview series with the gaffer, John Herbin. I walked into the hotel and this woman comes up to us. She gets right in my face. And she went, you must be John. And she went, this team is effed. This is the most toxic team you are ever going to work with. Good luck. Who recruited you for Canada? How did that, how did that happen? I'd just come out of the Olympics in 2008 for the New Zealand team. I was sort of headhunted to go into the interview for the 2008 Canadian job. Great story. I turned up to Vancouver and I didn't even have Canadian dollars. I get out of the airport thinking I've got no cash. I get on the bus, I say to the driver, I've got no money. <laughs> I says, I've come all the way from New Zealand. I says, can you help us? And the guy goes, get on, <laughs> you know? Nice Canadian, that's, that's where I learned Canadians are nice people. And I remember being in this hotel for two days and there's Carolina Marachi. And she looked at us and she did look at us up and down and went, are you here for the same thing I am? And I went, I think so. She went, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and when she did that, I thought, this is it. I'm going to give this my best day. I'm going after this. But um, now the interview, uh, one guy fell asleep in the interview that I had. He was fast asleep at the back. So it wasn't my interview. It was with that team in 2011, the Carolina oh, coach. Goodness, yeah. Finished dead last in the World Cup, whereas broken emotionally as any team you'll ever see. Their own coach had basically quit on them halfway through the tournament. I got the call to say, look, Carolina's no longer with us. We'd love you to come in for an interview. This time I was ready. <laughs> so I turn up, I turn up in, in Kansas for our first game against the US. And I walked into the hotel and this woman comes up to us. She gets right in my face. And she went, you must be John. And she went, this team is F. This is the most toxic team you are ever going to work with. Good luck. So my first meeting, oh my God, it was brilliant. I rock in and we're going to go to a podium. And I'm watching them looking around going, who's this guy? We're going to see your flag rise. It's going to happen. And when I said it about the third time, I think they went, oh, God, this guy means business. Just get yourself focused, put your attention where that needs to be, because I'm hoping it's going to come alive today. The timeline's crazy, to be honest, from where they were to where they wound up. Like, a lot of things changed in, in London, didn't they? I still say if the US game never happened, it would never be the same. That was the defining moment. You've seen a, a Canadian team 
show greatness. It's a hat trick for Christine Sinclair. They lead against the United States. We know we deserve to have come away with, with the result that game. What we give was a group of women that overperformed. And that's what Canadians were falling in love with, like this underdog group. And then the last kick of the game, the, literally the last kick, Alex Morgan scores the winner. A brave effort falls short for Canada. There were questions asked of this team and their character after last year's World Cup performance. They've answered those questions and then some. The connection we built with that team and the healing that they went through. I still say there was nine months, my favourite nine months in coaching. Canadian Soccer Association announced that Octavio Zambrano was out as the men's national team head coach replaced by, wait for it, John Herdman. Herdman leaves the women's program for the men's. If the opportunity to men hadn't presented itself when it did, would you have stuck with the women through, well, Tokyo? No, I was in England. I was gone. You were gone, right? Yeah, I was gone. I was at a point where I've been here seven years. The bit that I can add is the X factor, the innovation, and I didn't feel the finances were there to take us from a number four team in the world to number one. The money hadn't changed. Not my money. I don't give a damn about what my salary is. And, and what, what had been happening in the background, the England job had been up and I hadn't applied for it. Wasn't, wasn't interested in it. And uh, someone had reached out, this headhunting firm, and said, we haven't seen your application in. Uh, we thought we might see you being an Englishman and all this stuff. Within two weeks, I'm off to the Norway game. Uh, we were 2-0 down in that Norway game. I knew that was my last game. I'd accepted the England job. And that was it, that was, that was me done. I was, in my mind, I was on the aeroplane. And it was Peter Montopoli who, who had a great conversation with us and said, you're not finished here. And we're not finished with that. That was episode three of a four-part series with the wonderful Stephen Brunt and the wonderful John Herdman. It takes me back, Kevin Mickey, to Christine Sinclair sitting there last week. And I said, what's left to accomplish? You've done everything. And she said, the World Cup. And it kind of ties that story full circle, doesn't it? How far they had fallen in that World Cup to get to the Olympics where Sinclair puts on the absolute show. They get absolutely robbed. But it leads to Tokyo and a gold medal. And I thought, for Christine Sinclair, there's, there's the icing on the cake. There's the cherry on top. You think? You've got your gold, your yeah. best in the world. Mm -hmm. And she said World Cup. And not until I saw what Brunt did there with John Herdman did I fully comprehend why. And it's because of how far they fell at that World Cup. There's still redemption to be had on the grandest of stages. And what a crazy sentence. Still redemption for that Canadian team. They won an Olympic gold medal. Mm -hmm. And they're still out for more. I mean, yeah. that it's, it's super cool to see somebody say, no, we still want more. They still have the drive to want more. Right. And Herbman will lead the men to the World Cup in 14 days, two as weeks. we mentioned, two weeks away. Canada, Belgium. But let's not forget, it was the women's program that carried Canada for years and set the groundwork yeah. for this to be possible along with some pretty good players. Yeah, they walked so now the men's program can run. Run, without yeah. a doubt. All right.
We've got a full hour to go here after the break. Here we go. We're talking hockey. Oh, Dan Murphy in, deep. in Montreal. Speaking of pucks in deep, Kenny Reed stopping yeah. by. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey features the Canucks and Habs. Elliot Friedman in his sunglasses pop by for three of 32. We'll get his insights and everything you need to know from around the league as Tim and Friends continues on this Wednesday. Time for real sports talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheep Dogs, back here. Hour number two, Tim and friends, Tim McAuliffe, Kevin Mickey here with you. Full hour, which includes Ken Reed in studio later on. Shai Davidi from Vegas later on. And Elliot Friedman for three of 32 thoughts after all seven Canadian teams were in action last night. Just two tonight, but they square off. The Canucks face the Habs and Scotiabank. Wednesday night hockey. More on that in a sec, but let's give you an update on what was a scary, scary scene for Edmonton's Vander Kane last night. Uh, the team announced that he will go on the LTIR and is expected to miss three to four months. Now, he'll be okay off the ice, which is a big part of this, but he was cut by a skate last night in a scary looking incident. Earlier today, he tweeted his thanks to the medical staff for their quick action last night. We absolutely positively wish him the best in his recovery. Now, amidst all the noise in Vancouver, the Canucks have gone 4-1-1 in their last six games after a miserable start to the season. Meantime, Habs snapped their losing streak last night with a shootout win in Detroit. But Uri Slavkovsky suspended two games today for that hit on the Wings' Matt Luff. Hockey Central coming away 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific on Sportsnet, followed by the game with more. We go live to Montreal and Dan Murphy. What's going on, Dan? Hello, Tim. Bonjour. Yes, uh, two teams that played last night, two teams that won last night. The Montreal Canadiens got goals from someone not named Caulfield or Suzuki, although those, those two did score in the shootout, and they won in Detroit, as you said. As for the Canucks, they won a third period. There's uh, an idea they should try to do more often. That crazy one in Ottawa, a game they probably had no business in being in uh, after 40 minutes of play, but they did in fact win. The Canucks offense, no problems there. 17 goals for the last three games. But have you heard there's been problems with the defensive structure, perhaps even from the club president? Yes, the Canucks giving up a ton of goals at inopportune times, mainly in the third period. It's cost them a ton of games this season. And according to the head coach, Bruce Boudreau, the defense is still a work in progress. Sometimes when you're not winning, the other thing is, is everybody wants to do everybody else's jobs instead of just doing their own job. And uh, they want to win so bad that they want to help out here, they want to help out there. And, and in the end, they're not really helping anything. This is a back-to-back -back situation. Uh, Jake Allen played last night in Detroit, so it's Sam Montembeau's time, uh, and he's been excellent uh, this season. Last night in Ottawa, Spencer Martin was excellent to keep the Canucks in it. So tonight it's Thatcher Demko's turn, and he's yet to get back to the form we saw him at last year when he was one of the league's best. And look out for some real hot players on offense. I uh, mentioned uh, Caulfield and Suzuki. They're really carrying this Habs team offensively. And what about Bo Horvat? Another multi-goal game last night. Only Connor McDavid has scored more goals than any so far this season. Tim? We'll have more on uh, Bo Horvat and what he's been doing this year and at the end of last year coming up in game time. But you mentioned the club president, Dan. I said earlier that I thought there were at least three shots across the bow 
of Bruce Boudreaux since the offseason. I just wonder, and I'm not going to ask you to, to dive deep into that, but I wonder, the players hear this stuff. Is, is there some playing for Bruce after this uh, slow start? Because it feels like his job's on the line here. Well, it does, and there hasn't really been any forceful, um, you know, real commitment to Boudreaux. And this is even going back to the end of last season yeah. when he was kind of like a folk hero in Vancouver, right? They're chanting his name. They're chanting Bruce, there it is in Ottawa last night when the Canucks were up in the third period. He's really struck a chord with the fan base, but doesn't seem to be this management group's guy. Uh, he had the club option. They did bring him back for this season. I think it would have been a PR disaster if they didn't, but they're still at odds with how they want to play defensively. Um, and really, I mean, there have been questions this season. I think they have been tied or led in a of the 13 games yeah. uh, this season going to the third period and they have four wins so something's got to give but uh, as we've said if you get a couple of wins or four one and one their last six they win again tonight that will take the temperature down at least for the time being Dan thanks for this and uh, do your best to enjoy Montreal okay I will <laughs> quick trip but always fun there's uh, Dan Murphy in Montreal Habs and Canucks coming your way on Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey it's time now for us to pivot to 3 of 32 with Elliot Friedman, 3 of 32, of course, brought to you by GMC and the new Sierra AT4 X Fridge. What's going on, buddy? How are you, man? I'm good. How are you, Tim? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. I feel like I'm doing a little bit better than Bruce Boudreau. We just had the conversation with Dan Murphy. It feels like to me, and I'm not saying that you're saying this, so don't radio Elliot Friedman, that there have been three shots across the bow of Bruce Boudreau. One in the offseason when he didn't get any sort of extension for the kind of finish that they had. Two uh, with uh, the wonderful after hours and Scott Oak. And then again with Sat Shaw and our friend Dan Riccio on Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. Do you feel like Bruce Boudreaux right now is coaching for his job? Is this a longer term play? Like why have we felt this pressure this early besides the losses? I understand that part. I, I kind of wonder, Tim, if it's almost like you're trying to make somebody quit, like sometimes, like, yeah. like office space or something like yeah. that. If you if you if you make work so uncomfortable, they might just say, you know, like Johnny Paycheck, take this job and shove it. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. Number one thing, uh, you know, uh, like on, on the one hand, you look at it and you say. Um, hey, like this is a general manager who's telling us what he thinks. And in media, we complain that people are, uh, don't, aren't honest and they're too bland. And now we're finally getting some quotes and you want to rip them for it. And that's not a good idea. But on the other hand, I think it's, as you said, it's been three times already. And when does it become too much? And I think we're at the point now it's too much. I think the Canucks should make a decision. You should either stop doing this or you should um, let him out, uh, let him out of his misery. And that's kind of the way I look at it right now. Make a decision. If you're not happy with Bruce Boudreaux as your, as your coach, make the change. Um, if you are happy with the way, way it's going, then you know, stop saying this stuff. Uh, you know, the one thing I heard you talking with Dan Murphy, mm -hmm. I think the Canucks players deserve a lot of credit because they had every excuse to fold in that game last night. They knew what was going on around there. They gave up a goal pretty quickly, and they still came back and found a way to win that game. And I think that says a lot of the character of the Canucks players that they uh, stepped up for their coach when it would have been, I wouldn't say acceptable to lose, but it would have been easy to lose. My friends in the lower mainland keep telling me, if this is the case, if management didn't want 
Bruce Boudreaux to return, then why double down with this team in the offseason? And, and the ironic thing about the double down in the offseason, I know mainly they're talking about JT Miller, but Bo Horvat was the one that didn't get the deal. Now he's second in the league in scoring. I don't know how sustainable this is or how long it goes, but you got a team with no cap space and a ticket that may be rising on Bo Horvat as, as we move along here. I was thinking about this today. Uh, I, w I did a radio hit in Montreal the day before the draft. Mm -hmm. And I said it would be a surprise if Bo Horvat uh, didn't get signed this summer. And I didn't know about Miller. I was left uh, le uh, less optimistic about Miller. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way that the Vancouver Canucks went into the summer. I think they thought they were going to get Bo Horvat signed. And I think a couple of things happened. I think that they realized that wasn't going to get done. It wasn't going to be, I don't know if easy, but it's, they weren't, it turned out it was much more difficult than they thought. And I think they didn't want to come into camp with both Horvat and Miller unsigned and they pivoted to Miller. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea to sign a guy with 99 points last year. But the other thing now, you've got your captain, who's a younger player, uh, who and, and you know what the market's going to be for top two centers in this league. And as you said, he's showing it. And, you know, the one thing I always feel is the, is the surest predictor of future of behavior is past behavior. Mm -hmm. And the JT Miller talks, Tim, were absolutely dead in the water. There was nothing going on. And then one day the Vancouver Canucks called his agent and they said, we're going to get this deal done, and they did. And that's why I always think it could happen with Horvat, although the price is going up, and the fact that it's gone on this long makes it a little more difficult. All right, they, they play the Habs tonight, and Uri Sofklowski, if you haven't heard, has been handed down two-game suspension. Any problem with what seems to be the going rate for a hit from behind, especially if you're talking about Habs I players? Think, I, I think, you know, it's expected also Luff got injured, so... Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, and unfortunately, he's out 10 to 12 weeks. So I think it's what everybody would have expected. Can, can we now tell players to stop? I know you want to deliver the message for your fallen teammate, but get the hell away from the guy that's hurt before you deliver the message. Yes, I, I've seen that happen a few times over the years. Yeah. And uh, I kind of remember, I'm trying to remember who the goalie was last year that uh, was it Markstrom who stood over somebody yeah. who was badly injured? Yes. And I always remember that play, like him having the awareness of, uh-oh, I've got to make sure that this doesn't happen. I'm 100% in agreement with you, Tim, 100%. All right, uh, the Jets last year, you and I had a conversation about how they might be the best team in Canada at the start of the year. Yes. It didn't work out that way. Do you believe no, it did not. the good start that we have seen? I mean, right now, statistically, best team in Canada. Well, I, I think they have a great goalie. And uh, this league starts and almost ends in goal. They have one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. And I think when you have that, you can eliminate a lot of mistakes. I think the other thing, too, is even though he hasn't been on the bench for the full season because of COVID and the aftermath, I think Rick Bonus is a, a heck of a coach. Mm -hmm. I think he looks at what a team's personnel is, and I, and I think he figures out this is how we're going to play. And sometimes it's boring. I know in Dallas last year there was some real frustration with sometimes the way he asked them to play. Um, but it wins. And it covers up your mistakes. And it makes it harder to score against you. And I, I think that with, with Hellebuck, as great as a goalie he is, 
You have to be able to say, we're going to make life a little less chaotic around you. And I, I know there's some people who look at some of the underlying numbers, they don't like them very much. But the one thing I think Bonus does is he creates a situation where people understand how you have to play. There's a lot of guys on that team who feel they have something to prove after last year. Yeah. That really helps you too. But I think there's, there's definitely a changed way in the way they approach things as a team. All right, I feel like the Leafs are the only team in the league that lose to the Kings, Ducks, and Sharks and then beat the Canes, Bruins, and have a real good shot to beat Vegas, which are yeah. three of the best teams in the National Hockey League. What do you make of the Leafs' play over the last couple weeks? Well, we, we started off this hit talking about Boudreaux and, and the Canucks playing for Boudreaux. Yeah. I, I, the Maple Leafs have clearly played for Sheldon Keefe. Hmm. I, I think that's, he, was, he looked like he was on the ropes, and they've played hard for him. Uh, I think that, you know, the Boston one to me was the big key because that's the way you've got to play to beat a team like Boston. And then they beat Carolina in a game they had every excuse to lose, and I thought they gave it a great effort last night. I think that one of the things that's happened, if they, you know, Lilligren coming back has, he's, has put people in a better place. Mm -hmm. I think their blue line has bodies where people want to see them a little bit more. That's number one. I think some of their uh, players deep in the roster uh, have been a little bit better. I think Marner has started to find himself. And, and the one thing I look at is Matthews hasn't been great yet. And you know he will be. Right. I, I think that they should feel really good about the fact they're starting to play better. And we haven't seen the big Matthews burst yet. All right, let's do a little uh, Boston Bruins the good and Boston Bruins uh, the bad. Let's start with the bad, the Mitchell Miller situation. I is there something that we can all take from this, that we can all learn from this uh, over the last week? Because it was a debacle in Boston. It was, and when I, when I look back at it, the, the thing that stands out for me is that the Bruins in their media conference said they felt Miller deserved to have a second chance, and, but they never really said why. Right. And I, I, think, I think if you go back, everything should have been laid on the table that day. Um, for example, we've seen a letter... Um, of, of, from the agent Eustace King about some of the things Miller's done and some of those things have been proven to be correct and others have been disputed. But all of this stuff should have been put on the table that day. This is why we're going for it. This is why we're trying. These are the reasons we believe and also this is the work that Mitchell Miller's done. Also, he should have announced that he was donating some of his salary to whether it was Isaiah or it was to uh, an anti-bullying, anti-racist charity. All of that should have happened. Like, like, I don't know if people would have understood and people would have accepted, but nobody was ever given a chance to, after that press conference on Friday, to, to, to support it. Like, at mm -hmm. that point in time, after that press conference, it was over. And I think the toughest thing to watch right now, uh, Tim, is the way that everything has leaked out in drips and drabs since then. Yeah. And that, that press release today was, was heartbreaking to read. And the one thing I would really hope is that it stops. Because the thing I'm worried about is that people are going to keep defending themselves. And more is going to keep dribbling out. And I think we have to look at that today and how he's feeling and saying... 
we have to stop this for, for his mental health. Yeah. And that's the thing I thought about this today because everybody's defending themselves, so stuff keeps coming out. And I think that should have all happened. Everything should have come out last Friday. Yeah, you know what happened here was Isaiah's voice was last when it should have been first. Mm -hmm. And yes. I'll just say this. like. You can make mistakes in your life. What people hate is when you when you try and BS your way out of it. And I think that's what people mm -hmm. started feeling like. They started feeling like this is everyone's feeding us a line here, and that was why there was this pushback, at least in this instance, with the Boston Bruins. Now I mentioned Boston the bad and Boston the good. They're off to a wonderful start, and it's a lot mm -hmm. of their big guns. And and 32 thoughts, and I'm not blowing smoke here. Fridge knows I don't do that for his sake uh, very much. But 32 Thoughts is doing some different and some real innovative things, including uh, interviews that are going on the Sportsnet YouTube page. You did a wonderful interview with Patrice Bergeron, and the topic of Brad Marchand came up. And I want to play a little teaser clip, just a, a little smidgen of the whole interview, which is available now on Sportsnet's YouTube page. But here's Fridge with Patrice, Patrice Bergeron on Brad Marchand. One of your longest friendships and teammates is Brad Marchand. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine there's two people who would seem to be more different. Yeah. <laughs> what is the relationship like between you and Marchand? It's great. I mean, um, and you're right. I mean, a lot of people say that, you know, we're like the yin and the yang. Like a, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, it started, it kind of clicked right away. You know, I think he's, um, you know, as we all know, he's got the energy and he's got, you know, the temper at times, but uh, just an amazing person, super generous and uh, a great family guy. And I'm just wondering if there was a time a few years ago during a game where you, you turned to him in the room and said, you know, Brad, I was kind of focused on the game tonight, but did I see you lick someone on the ice? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's been a few conversations <laughs> about uh, some of the things that have been done from him. Um I can't say that I always can control his uh, temper, uh, <laughs> try at times, but he's gotten so much better over the years. And I think like it, it makes him who he is too, you know, like, he just plays with his heart on his sleeve. Uh, that's a nice little taste. You can get more at Sportsnet's YouTube page. Fred, you going to do more of this stuff? Well, first of all, I want to credit Amal and uh, Nathan is the guy who edited the video. So I think they deserve a lot of credit because they're the people who kind of came up with doing a bit more. We hope to. Um, if people are interested in it, we'll do it. I think that's at the end of the day um, what all matters. But like, it's really nice to sit down and talk to people. We lost that for two years. Yeah. Tim, so I, I've realized how much I've missed it. Fridge, I like sitting down and talking with you from the wood panel theater that is at the Friedman, the Friedman compound in uh, the greater Toronto area. Thanks for doing this, buddy. My pleasure, Tim. Have a great week. There is uh, Elliot Friedman. Uh, we caught him in his car uh, running errands for his family. He is still a family man. Of course. And uh, he was running errands, and so it's nice to get him in that, uh, the wood paneling. Makes you look smart when you get the wood paneling behind you. He is a smart guy. Well, he, he it's is justified. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, why we, that's why we got wood in this studio. It makes us look <laughs> Try to. Yeah. Uh, we'll keep things rolling next. Visit to Vegas. Not the Golden Knights. Oh. A little baseball. Are we oh. rolling the dice in Toronto? Shai Davidi gets us up to speed in the latest and the greatest and from the MLB GM. There's stuff to talk about. Lots to talk about can from the tell, meetings. Can you tell me in the break? Yeah. All right, perfect. Then we'll talk about it with Shai. Yeah. All right. Teamwork.
The MLB GM meetings continuing today in Las Vegas as teams lay the groundwork for their off seasons. The free agent period officially starts tomorrow. Lots of questions about how busy the Blue Jays might be this winter. GM jo uh, Ross Atkins, not GM. All right, I screwed it up. <laughs> Going to make up for it, try to make up for it, but I couldn't. His name is GM Ross Atkins. Nailed it. It's not actually his whole name. Like, GM's not part of the name. It's no, just it's Ross like, Atkins. It's like a doctorate. You just <laughs> right. get when you become a GM, Doctor. you become GM. Ross yeah. Atkins. His name's Ross Atkins. I screwed this whole thing up. He met with the media a short time ago. Atkins was asked about the team's wealth of catchers and perhaps oh. if he's getting some offers. Oh. Danny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk, Gabriel Moreno. Take it away, please. We feel very good about that depth impacting our, our organization. Uh, we're not focused on trading from that depth. There are teams that are extremely interested in all three of them. If we are to entertain that, we're going to have to uh, think about what that means for our major league team, and we're entirely focused on winning. So, um, you know, having that depth right now, a lot of our energy and effort is focused on what that means with all three of them here. Uh, but with the amount of interest that teams uh, do have in each of them, you know, we, we have to at least answer the phone and, and think about what that means uh, if there are the potential avenues to cover other areas. All right, as I said yesterday, the big shots of baseball are all in Vegas, which means Shai Davidi is joining us now for what I believe to be the Lily Bald Ballroom in the Conrad Hotel in Vegas. What's going on, Shai? How are you, buddy? I'm all right. What's going on, fellas? Uh, you know, same old thing, me mispronouncing names and stuff. Uh, Ross Atkins was the one that I had a problem getting out of my mouth. But uh, he proceeded to talk about catchers. And he did it in a very Ross Atkins way. But this one kind of sort of makes sense, doesn't it, Shy? Like, do, can you see them going into a full season with three catchers, the quality of Moreno, Jansen, and Kirk? Well, I could see the potential for that, but I don't think it's ideal, and I don't believe they feel it's ideal either. The challenge is making sure that you're getting what you feel is commensurate value back. And really, if you look at sort of the three pools of resources teams have to work with in a baseball offseason, that's your financial flexibility, your prospect capital, and players off your big league roster. You know, the place where the Blue Jays might be the best position to make some moves from might be players from their big league roster because they're still trying to restock some depth in their farm system. And from a financial flexibility perspective, they don't have a lot of money coming off the books. A bunch of their players are getting far more expensive in arbitration. And it's not really until next offseason where they're going to be able to have a, a significant amount of money to make some things happen with. So if they're going to try to do something that's a little bit transformative or semi-significant, it probably involves a, a move off the big league roster. And if you're looking at the area of obvious surplus, I mean, that's where it's at. It's catcher. And the Blue Jays want to be able to optimize all three of those guys. And the way to optimize all three of them is probably by keeping two and trading one. Do you know who the odd man out would be or would that depend on who your trading partner is? I really believe that it's dependent on what's coming back and what right. that resolves for you. Right. Because, but I mean, like, if you look at the combination, the 
obviously you know what Alejandro Kirk is, you know what Danny Jansen is, and you think you know what Gabriel Moreno is going to be, but it's probably going to take him some time to transition. I mean, you think about, in a lot of ways, Moreno right now is where Alejandro Kirk was in 2020, right? A little bit of a taste, comes up, you see the ability, still pretty raw, has a lot of work to do on the defensive side of his game and understanding game calling and all those things. And can he crash course it over the course of next season and be a factor? Sure. I mean, it certainly has the abilities, but for a contending team, is that really what you want? Probably not. But again, if, you know, the... Let's say it's Alejandro Kirk that you're moving and, and is bringing you back maybe a switch hitting or, uh, or left-handed hitting outfielder who's going to help you resolve some of the balance issues in your lineup, then maybe that's a better trade-off than some of the other options. Right. And, and the other part of this is, and you're making a ton of sense, the prospect capital uh, isn't as high as we thought it was, and we could tell that by the trade deadline last year. And I'm still trying to figure out the financial flexibility. I feel like I'm going to piss off some Jays fans here, but given the money they spent and given uh, what seems to be a pretty damn good free agent crop, I'm not sure the Jays are playing at the top of that free agent crop. Would you agree or disagree with that sentiment as we piss off all Jays fans? <laughs> I, I, in a vacuum, I'd say yes. Uh, I do think that if they found the right opportunity, they could do some things around their roster to open up some financial flexibility. But they'd only do that if they had to do if, if they had to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like they can just go in and. Like last year, you know, they had money to work with. They went out, they signed Gosman, they acquired Chapman. You know, they made those kind of moves because they had that space. Whereas this year, they're a little bit more fixed and they're actually going to have a very significant amount of money coming off the books after the 23 season when, you know, reuse off the books, Chapman's eligible for free agency, Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., all eligible for free agency. I mean, they're going to have a sizable sum of money to work with. They're also going to have sizable holes, holes to fill. So you can see them jumping back into that market next year, whereas this year, any sort of bold move like that, at least at the surface and kind of how it looks at this point, would seem that it, they would need to do have a bit of creativity around it to make it fit i was reading the espn story earlier today and they were trying to gauge what the top of the free agent class would be getting um aaron judge nine years 324 million dollars which is a little bit more than he was making before uh trey turner eight years 272 million dollars there's some significant numbers here and i'm just being a realist here but the jays are playing in the chris bassett andrew heaney level not the trey turner aaron judge uh jacob Degrom, carlos correa level am i wrong well yes but i do think that if if everything fell into place and like Jacob Degrom's number f- worked for them and they they saw the value, I I believe they could probably make that happen. But I don't think that's the focus of their work right now because the the likelihood of that aligning mm-hmm. is pretty low, I would think. So yeah, I, I think they're looking at that level, may, uh, you know that that Bassett Heaney level that you mentioned, uh, maybe a bit up, but. You know, the, the obvious need is 
they got to get at least one starting pitcher if tra if Ross Stripling isn't resigned, and I think probably two. Then they've also they're, they also want to get someone at the back end of their bullpen to help deepen that relief core. So you can do some of that through mid-market free agency uh, and maybe shopping in the upper tier of the reliever market and and impact your team and then if you want to do something that's a bit more transformative like you're determined to try and get left-handed you're probably doing that via trade because you're trying to move one piece and trying to turn it into something else so i i just think that they're a little bit fixed right now and mm -hmm. and it should be stated that this is a team that won 92 games. This is probably a group you don't mind running it back with. I think one of the bigger questions is just how much do they need to tweak this group? Right. And how much can they within the confines that they have? And I think that's where the basis of this offseason appears to be headed. You know, maybe it takes a, a different direction, but based on the stuff I've been able to glean to this point, mm -hmm. that seems to be the direction things are unfolding. Okay, could one of those tweaks be in center field with George Springer? Do, do you think that he goes to a corner uh, to try and save him from the sort of injuries that we saw him go through for the last couple of years? Under the best case scenario, I definitely think they do that. And, you know, we were talking about catchers earlier, and, you know, I've written this a few times already, but you just look at the St. Louis Cardinals, and that is the in many ways, the best trade partner for them because uh, the Cardinals need a catcher. Gotcha. They're losing Getty Molina, who was their heartbeat, and they've got a switch-hitting center fielder in Dylan Carson, who certainly fits the bill. They've got a hard-hitting right fielder in Lars Newtbar, who also plays center field, who certainly uh, has played some center field. He could also potentially fit that bill. So, yeah, if, if you can match up with them on a catcher, maybe it's a bit of a bigger package or whatever, you know, that would seem to work. But, you know, we're not playing fantasy baseball here. And the, the Cardinals have their own thoughts. And there's the free agent market as well. They could go Wilson Contreras. They could go Christian Vasquez. Uh, there are a number of different options there. So I don't think it's going to be easy for the Blue Jays to do that. But I do believe in an ideal world, they would love to find someone who could at least in a significant way, ease the load uh, that on George Springer in terms of games played in center field hmm. and maybe even shift him entirely to right and making the entire outfield defense a lot stronger. And then what do you do with the extra outfielder? Oh, it's going to be a fun offseason, Shy. Appreciate you doing this. And uh, be well. Try and enjoy Vegas a little bit, okay? Yeah, we'll, we certainly will try. We've been working hard, but uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith, our colleague, is uh, very determined to lose some money at the tables tonight, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, try and save a little bit. Shy, appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> Take care, guys. There is uh, Shy Davidi in Vegas. Who knew Ben Nicholson-Smith would be leading the charge? Well, the, the tables are hot. That's what Ben's saying. Whether it's true or not, he's saying it. You look like you're a Vegas guy right now. Like the the look, the turtleneck, the lean back. You look like you could be saying, hit me at a table right now. Yeah, and then hit me again. And then they'd say, please give me your money, sir. And I'd say, oh, I'm out of money. Wayne Newton is what I'm being whispered in my ear. But I don't know if I see it. Up next, Kenry. <laughs> we assume he had gas. whisper that in my ear. <laughs> uh, we assume he had gas in the car. We'll see if Kenny Reed made it in for his contractually obligated and actually really nice appearance right here on Tim and Friends. Plus, Carolyn Cameron, Hockey Central panel will drop by at a Scotiabank Wednesday night.
Cutting Next. Crafts table. That's where you got it, by the way. Is that your craft? Tis a contractually obligated Wednesday here on Tim and Friends. That means Ken Reed got the old Oldsmobile gassed up. And he is in <laughs> yeah, studio. Uh, you whispered to me and didn't quite whisper to me during the break. I am fired up a bunch of uh, uh, fired up. I can't speak today. I got marbles in my mouth. I yeah. apologize. Fired up about a bunch of things today. What I, the hell is going on? I always am. I'm always fired up. I got a lot of lot to talk to. But I, I guess we have to go quick hit though from from the lady I saw while I was walking my dog today. Well, that's coming up in about two minutes' time, oh, okay. so I, I do have some time for you if you wanted to, but you've gone and screwed it all up. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I want to talk about Arbor Jack. I've, I want to get into that because I love him, and I think he's a throwback, and I think he's a kind of defenseman that's going to come back in the game after all the nerds have taken over the last 20 years and we don't look at D like him anymore. Yeah, he, so I think a big, tough D like him is going to come back. Yeah. I'm ticked off about Twitter, but I'm always ticked off about Twitter because I had probably my greatest moment on Twitter today. Which else? Do you want me to tell you about it now? You had your greatest moment on... Do you know that Twitter... We'll save this one because Twitter's going through a little bit of a problem right now. Well, that's why I'm... I don't know what's going on. I'm confused. (laughs) Okay, we'll we'll get into it. But before we do, let's class things up a little bit around here. Check in with the Hockey Central panel. You said it was two minutes. I was 30 seconds. Wednesday night, Hockey, (laughs) Carolyn Cameron and company standing by. Please take it away. I am said lady that Ken saw on his walk today, and I can confirm he picks up after his dog. So, good neighbor. Uh, with Justin, Jen, and Stewie, it was Connor Hellebuck who, prior to the season for the Jets, he said expectations kill teams. And we have a matchup tonight. Different expectations headed into the season. Vancouver, they're not living up to them, and the Montreal Canadiens are exceeding them. So, Justin, where are you with your expectations on either? Well, I think it's a matter of recalibrating them as you go in season. You look at the Vancouver Canucks going in. If everything went perfectly, what kind of team were they? Maybe a playoff team. Uh, but right now, 4-1-1 one, and, one, and people don't care because they started so poorly. So now it's time to readjust the expectations and say, what do you want them to do if you're a fan of this team? Is it good to win and make playoffs and pick 18th and I don't know. I, I kind of think it might be time to go the other way. I know Jen disagrees, but uh, maybe I've seen enough already. I feel like you still need to keep that conversation alive of the playoff discussion. Nah, I think at this on. point of the season, going for the first overall is not necessarily where you need to look as, as a team. I feel like they have too many good players to just say, oh, we're just going to rebuild for other years. Right now, they've got these talented players. What can they do to find success? And yes, maybe a better streak as of late. You also look at some of the other games that they've played where they had the leads, and Obviously, they couldn't close them out. But you look at stretches. Here they've had throughout the season where they lost games with a multi-goal lead. These were 10 potential points that were available for them, and they only walked away with two. But that's we're having a very different conversation if yeah. they got even half of those points at this point. So, yes, there's been disappointment for them, but I disagree that you need to start looking for your draft picks. My junior Bedard, coach Bedard. used to say if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, every day would be Christmas. Those yeah, are five I, I think the expectations <laughs> were sort of set last year when they fired Travis Green and brought in some new coaching staffs right now, and they went out and they signed JT Miller in the offseason, Brock Besser. They brought in Mikheyev and Kuzmenko uh, from Russia as well, too. So if the plan was to tank, they wouldn't be getting new coaches. They wouldn't bring in GMJR because he's coming in to do quick turnarounds. You saw what he did with the Pittsburgh Penguins a couple years ago. This team is planning to win with the pieces that they have. If not, I could see them making some changes a lot sooner than later. How are you going to keep your fan base entertained or excited? <laughs> Hashtag Canucks, your... buddy. You don't want them on you, buddy. The... <laughs> Good point. Feeling yeah. the wrath. Go, Canucks, yeah. go. You can tweet Justin at what's your handle again? I'm David Amber. <laughs> <laughs> High expectations for Ken in studio. 
have fun. It might be at David Amber after today. Twitter's chaos. It, it is absolute <laughs> chaos. Uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for dropping by. And sorry about having to run into Ken on your walk. Borny, I'm with you. Tank it, buddy. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's follow up with a little Arbor Jack guy because I, I feel like it's easy to say you love him, yeah. but he's a bleeping unicorn. Like, there aren't a lot of guys there, like that. There used to be. And there are not there a lot of guys. There used to be. I know there used to be. And that's why there used to be, because there aren't now. Well, there can be again. I want to give Eric Engels full love. I uh, ran into him in a food court before the season. Okay. And he's Arbor Jack guy. He's like, Arbor Jack guy could make this team. Watch Arbor Jack guy. Like, fill me in. Told me all about the guy. And he's my new hockey crush, Arbor Jack guy. I can see um, that. He, he was not a unicorn. Arbor Jack guys were not a unicorn all that long ago. Then the puck-moving defenseman came into style, and there's nothing wrong with a puck-moving defenseman. But I would like to see guys like Arbor Jack guy, uh, big. Like, we, we used to draft players, defensemen, big defensemen. That was the thing. Now, now the big guys are getting drafted, big goalies. That's the thing. Everything comes and goes. It's a copycat league. If Jack Guy continues to do what he's going to do, you're going to see teams take flyers on some big, big bodies in, in the draft and in signings and things yeah, like that. I just I don't do know how it. easy it is to find guys like Arbor Jack Guy. Tom Wilson's been around for a while. Everyone wants a Tom Wilson. It's not but as if there's another like Tom Arbor Wilson. guys like Arbor Jack Guy used to get a chance to develop. They don't anymore. No. He was a Stu Cowan, great article today in the Montreal Gazette, points out that Jack Guy was a seventh defenseman in junior a couple years ago. He got a chance to develop. Lately, guys like Jack Guy... They haven't get, get, been given a chance to develop smaller, more puck-moving defensemen have been. So maybe it'll go back to that way. Yeah, I just look back, and even I saw him in the GTHL, and he struggled to get playing time in the GTHL, right. Arbor Jack guy. Right. And that's why he was undrafted into the OHL. And that's why he was undrafted into the NHL. These are things that, like... But I, here he is, a guy like this doing damage in the NHL. Yeah, so somebody's hard to find. Is he hard to find, or are people not looking in the right spots? Are they not giving kids like him a chance? Whereas... Before, we didn't give smaller kids a chance. Look, you and, you and me are old enough to know, in 1995, if you were an NHL prospect and you were going to the way and you did the Terry Ryan, you put 50 bucks worth of nickels in your pockets and you'd tape weights to your legs. Yeah, Tom you had to be pucks in your shoes. Right, you had to be yeah. 215 pounds, you had to be 210 no, pounds. I know, but the game is so fast moving right now and those big, slower defensemen that take a little while, as Arbor Jack I did, to develop into their bodies... It's very hard to find those guys. It's not like the old times when you could get a slow plodding defenseman out there just to beat the snot out of people but in front of the net. But he's you not have there. to be able to skate, he, and the bigger kids don't develop until later. And you need GMs are like, I need my rookies to contribute right away. Do you think the Leafs would like to have a guy oh, like that? You think every it. team in the league would like to have a guy like yeah. that? I Montreal just, went and found him. You, know you know what I think you're doing right now? I think you're finding the one guy and saying we need more guys like that, and there's only one of them. That's what I think you're doing. There's right there's a lot of big guys out there. They're just they've been look uh, the focus in the I'd say what the last ten years has so been. You're, you're telling me there's a bunch of NHL GMs right now. No, going, I don't need any big guys on my no, defense squad. No, no, I'm just <laughs> saying the focus for the last ten years or so has been so much on speed and puck moving right. defensemen. Guys like that have been overlooked and not given a chance because they didn't develop at that rate. But here's a guy who was a, I don't even want to call him a late bloomer because he's only 21. Right. But he wasn't drafted but he, but into the O. played over age in, in right. the OHL. He wasn't drafted into the yeah. NHL. But yeah. here he is. Because yeah. guys work with him. They gave him a chance. Whereas I'm saying maybe in the last 10 years, guys like him coming out of AAA midget or minor midget would just be like, nah, he's not worth taking a flyer on. He's big and he's slow. Right. Maybe we give guys like that a chance again. Because they're, look, there's big kids out there. 
you guys got to give him a chance. Without a doubt. I just think that, you know, like you're every team in the league would want a Tom Wilson. Every team in the league would want an Arbor Jack. It's finding those guys that's hard. Maybe make them a priority again. I don't think those guys have been a priority for the last 10 years. All right. Give me your uh, whatever the hell happened on Twitter. So what's going on with Twitter today, right? I hate Twitter. I hate social media. I think it stinks. I think it's the worst thing. So why are you on it? Because I'm contractually obligated to be on it. I think it's the worst thing to happen. Yes. I think it's the worst thing to happen to mankind since the invention of the internet, which is also the worst thing to happen to mankind. Okay. But yes, I'm contractually obligated to be on Twitter, so I do engage. (laughs) But now we have this blue checkmark thing. Would you pay for a checkmark? Uh, we've discussed it in our team, and the lean right now is to know to yeah, not pay I, I for the check mark. But the the problem is today, a bunch of people paid for check marks, right? And so we see a bunch of fake things, right, Kev? A lot of fake going around. A lot of fake things. So going today, around. I have the greatest day of my life on Twitter. I'm quote tweeted by Burton Cummings. And then you realized? Well, I think it is the real Burton Cummings, okay, but I'm so not sure. It is. Indeed it is. There it is, right there. So I tweeted out this card of Burton from my collection, just with pucks in deep, and somehow it came across Mr. Cummings. There it is, Burton Cummings. The great Burton Cummings. Look, Mm -hmm. we'll confirm that it's actually Burton Cummings. There we go. 15,000 followers, Burton Cummings. Well, but hold on That has to be real. You can't confirm it anymore. That's the whole point. So earlier today... Yeah, a fake Burton Cummings can get 15,000 in one day. Here's what happened today. Adam Schefter... Yes, on Twitter. Uh, Matt, if you could take my computer. Uh, it says Adam Schefter not, but it has the blue check mark that Elon Musk sold for $8. Josh mm-hmm. McDaniels out as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Sources tell ESPN. A bunch of people fall for it. Araldis Chapman saying that he is not going anywhere. He's re-signed with the Yankees. That's a fake Araldis Chapman. That is a fake check mark. And as you can see by the little note at the bottom, parody in my bio so that Elon doesn't Maybe this will be the end of it all, Tim. And LeBron James, I am officially requesting a trade. Thank you, Lakers Nation, for all the support through the years. Well, that one's somewhat believable. On to bigger and better things. Blue check mark. That one's somewhat Maybe this will be the end of Twitter and we'll be on to something else. Hooray! I'm with you on that. So I, I think that's the real Burton Cummings, though, don't you? It is. Can I, absolutely the real Burton Cummings. I know you're playing this this old man card lately, but you do get all of your information from Twitter, too. I don't. I get it from you. I get it from Sportsnet Central. I get it from Kevin Dellen's stuff that Gen Z is up to. Every game day starts right here on Tim and Friends. Here's what's coming up tonight. Habs hosting the Canucks. Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. You can see it on Sportsnet starting with Hockey Central and that wonderful crew we just talked to immediately following this wonderful show. you got basketball on Sportsnet 1 as the Knicks take on their crosstown rivals. The Net- hey, Ken, mm-hmm. Kevin, have you heard there's some things going on with the Brooklyn Nets these days? Ooh. By these days, you mean what, oh. the last three, four years? <laughs> and more hockey later tonight. The Wild visit the Ducks in Sportsnet 360, but first... That is correct, and he is game time, and here's what's happening tonight, Borat. Well, I'd say that he's on a roll as the Canucks head into Montreal. Borat, two goals in last night's win over the Sens. It's the fourth time in his last five games that he's potted a pair. He's the first player in franchise Canucks history with five multi-goal games in the team's first 13 contests. And his 12 goals by are the most by a Canucks in the team's first 13 games since the great Pavel Berry had 13 in 1992-93. Now, Horvat, he's just the is second in the NHL in goals this season. Trails only Connor McDavid 
Timmy, do you think that's eh, maybe a little extra motivation this year because it's a contract year, or is there more to, to this? I think a lot of people are saying that, but as much as I want to say it's a contract year, this might be a Bruce there it is thing. Horvat has got it going since late last season. He had 14 goals in the last 18 games for the Canucks. If you add his 12 this season, Horvat has the most, the fourth most goals in the league over that time. And we're talking about, it's not a small sample size. This is like a 30 game sample size. He's got 26 goals. Only McDavid, Drysaddle, and Kaprizov have more. Bo Horvat is on a heater. Look, so Vancouver needs somebody, right? Because they're struggling. And so Horvat in the last five games. Captain. You, you, you know, every, exactly. Every movie, every great action hero in a movie is, has that come with me moment where they lead. Mm -hmm. You know who Horvat is? Mm -hmm. Arnold. No, he's oh. Tackleberry from Police Academy. Oh, okay. Here's the <laughs> evidence. Not, not Braveheart. Mm -hmm. Tackleberry. Tackleberry. Come with me. Is that Bruce? Oh, no, no. <laughs> no where's Bruce? Bruce is, Bruce is loving Horvat. Steve Gutenberg? Horvat's come with me, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just doing it on his own. He's going out and he's leading like all good leaders should, like Tackleberry. He's taking it by the horns. What happened to the guy him. that made the sound effects? Uh, he's oh, probably guy. you probably see him at stand up somewhere. This <laughs> he does a lot. He did a lot of great stand up. I was gonna say he was point? awesome. He's, he's, he's dumb. You know the police, do, do, do. police Academy movies were, movies were filmed in Toronto. Did you know that? And when Police Academy Seven comes out and it's filmed in Vancouver, Bo Horvat can star in it. There, there you, you go. go. It's, it's perfect. Tackleberry's hey, uh, little brother. Exactly. Uh, Remembrance Day is coming up on Friday. Tonight, the Montreal Canadiens will honor members of the Canadian Armed Forces, veterans, and their families on Military Appreciation Night. Habs players wearing special camouflage jerseys in warm-up. The autographed jerseys, they're going to be auctioned off. All proceeds going to military-related charities. Ken, uh, I feel like I know the answer, but do you own any camouflage, camouflage clothing? I do not. Uh, grade 5 camouflage pants were huge. I remember having a pair of camouflage pants in grade 5, and I had a Stone Cold Steve Austin camouflage t-shirt. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Probably 23 years ago, but I don't know where it is. This, the 316 part was camouflage. Yes, mm -hmm. I love the yeah. the stone cold yeah. and, thing. And Austin 316 means I just got pucks in deep. <laughs> <laughs> That's outstanding. Uh, hey, let's go one more thing quickly. Uh, the Knicks visiting the Nets tonight. Timmy mentioned it. Uh, the Nets, when they moved to Brooklyn, many hope that this would become the next great rivalry. That is the Knicks-Nets, but it's been pretty one-sided so far. Nets 7-0 against the Knicks in the last two seasons. 9-2 since the Nets signed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, is this rivalry ever really going to get the same intensity as, like, Yankees-Mets? It's not even Rangers-Islanders, let's be honest. Neither of the teams are good. Oh. NBA basketball is better when those two teams are relevant, more specifically the Knicks. Mm -hmm. They're not relevant right now. No, neither man. of them. It doesn't really move the needle, does no, it? No, it's just drama for the sake of I drama. I still don't understand why guys in the NBA wear long pants under their shorts. Still don't get that. <laughs> the, the big long things under basketball their shorts. Basketball Cooperalls. Yeah, basketball Cooperall. I don't get it. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin Mickey. Where did that comment come from? That's incredible. I just, every time I watch NBA highlights, I'm like, you're wearing shorts. Enjoy the short part of the shorts, but they have the long. Sometimes when you slide on the ground, it, it, friction can rip the. Anyway, Don't we're fall. done. Scotiabank Wednesday, I hockey.